0: Hey, hey friends. This is Eric and welcome to Anti Visions. All right, I have a few artifacts to share as I've been focusing on the the impact of critical race theory on schools in particular. Not the direct teaching of critical race theory so much as the implementation of its concepts. So, the attempt to implement anti-racism, according to Ibram Kendi or Robin DiAngelo. Um, There are all kinds of manifestations of it. But the question is, what is the fruit? You know, when you implement these ideas and it it comes back out, what kind of things do students produce? What are they saying? Is it something that we're okay with? So these are just a few um, artifacts that I have. This is a book by a student, from gladwin elementary school in pennsylvania and it's a book about whiteness that's what it's called and you know in past podcasts i've talked talked about whiteness and and what that means whiteness studies but let me just read this is this is something that she made for some kind of class project obviously I, i i don't know if it was history or social studies or what but the title is Whiteness is a Bad Deal. It always was. And then she has this contract on the right hand side. And behind the contract there's a $50 bill. I can't tell what kind of what kind of bill, but money and cash. And then there's a kind of Uncle Sam like hand reaching out to Shake. On on the right hand side, but on the left hand side, you can see the that it's like goats legs. So the idea is kind of like this is a devil, and and uh, the money is burning. So it's quite quite the image there. And the contract says, binding you to whiteness, you get stolen land, stolen riches, special favors. Whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and all fellow humans of color. Your soul. And it's for the purpose of profit. And then it has sign below, and there's a line there for signing. And underneath it says, land, riches, and favors may be revoked at any time for any reason. So, You know, we can see that, like I said, I don't know if it's a social studies project or history and, you know, one would hope that it's relating to something in the past, but there's no indication that it is and uh, it has that edge to it, but it has so many of the concepts of whiteness studies and critical white theory that Robin DiAngelo espouses um, and that is talked about in, you know, these anti-racism curriculums and studies that they try to implement and you're seeing it manifest uh through a child's work and there's no delineation between the present and the past and it's it's a little bit extreme as well so i'm just going to share quickly this is from the new discourses encyclopedia on social justice a little bit about whiteness studies so cuz you you hear it even on the news here and there you hear uh, in discussions about critical race theory or about racism and systemic racism, things like that, they threw out the word whiteness, and it's, it's a thing. I've talked about it before. It's not, it's a social construct, they say, but the problem is that no white person can actually separate themselves from whiteness. Uh, they can only, you know, I guess, act against it as an anti-racist. Nonetheless, you're, you're kind of like the Matrix, you're stuck in, in it. So this is, uh, this is a quote actually from a book that Robin D'Angelo is one of the authors of, and it's, it's more geared towards education. It's called, as, Is Everyone Really Equal? An Introduction to Key Concepts in Social Justice Education. And she says here, critical scholars define racism as a systemic relationship of unequal power between white people and people of color. So notice, even racism has been redefined, if if you weren't aware. So whiteness refers to the specific dimensions of racism that elevate white people over people of color. Basic rights, resources, and experiences that are assumed to be shared by all are actually only available to whites. Although many whites feel that being white has no meaning— This feeling is unique to white people and is a key part of what it means to be white. To see one's race as having no meaning is a privilege. Only whites are afforded. To claim to be just human and thus outside of race is one of the most powerful and pervasive manifestations of whiteness. Well, it's really amazing that she claims so and actually these three authors claim that basic rights resources and experiences are assumed to be shared by all but they're actually only available to whites. Now this is a book that many school districts have adopted to for for their teachers to read. So this is for educators and and I've read the majority of it and it's it you know it's it's worse than just this here. But uh, some incredible assumptions here. And this is only part of this whole theory. So when you begin to instill, to me, this is... um, um like indoctrination, you begin to instill these ideas in children or in others, but especially with children, and telling them this is the way it is. It's called indoctrination. You're instilling a world view in them. You're not teaching them facts or history and even current events and how to evaluate those things. Instead, you're telling them the way things are. So I'll read a couple of other things about uh, whiteness, like. This statement, particularly it's believed that privilege blinds a person to an understanding of oppression, and we're talking about white privilege, um, blinds them to an understanding of oppression, much like the things that I was just sharing would be seen as a blindness to oppression, say by racism, and affords the ability not to have to engage with its realities, thus leaving the white person in a state of, quote-unquote, white ignorance. And then... There's more to be said there, but I'm just going to skip down here. This says people of color, on the other hand, are admonished that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, which is a famous statement from I can't remember who it was, but um, it's it's kind of a famous quote, and and they are therefore instructed to identify white methods for example, white empiricism, white science, and white mathematics, as being manifestations of whiteness that need to be eschewed, avoided, criticized, and dismantled, including by acts of strategic resistance. See also strategic essentialism, strategic ignorance, and strategic racism. (laughs) These master's tools can, drawing from critical race educator Alison Bailey and others, include reason, logic, science, liberalism, reliance upon evidence, civil discourse, philosophical dialectic, and so on. And in practice have included such concepts as being on time to meetings and making to-do lists and carrying them out in an order- orderly fashion, including in legislative settings. I, It just, there's more, it just goes on and it's just really sad because that's my point is this girl is making this book about whiteness and being taught these ideas that, um, that have everything that I just shared baked into it. And this, this idea that, you know, we've got to basically just get a magnifying glass and look for everything possibly wrong that we can blame on whiteness to the extent that science Logic, reason. And this isn't, I mean this is over and over. I've and I have so many articles where this kind of stuff is beginning to affect education at the postgraduate level, at the undergraduate level and the public school level where science, logic, and reason are being attacked. They're being seen as a white construct. Um, liberalism. Liberalism would be things like free speech, equality, because they don't believe in equality they believe in equity and is not equality liberalism the the, the right to due process you know the right to, to assemble to, to bear arms the, these are these are liberal ideas uh, classically liberal ideas that the things that America is so well known for and those things are are highly suspect they're problematic without free speech you have no free society there's no society in the history of the world that has ever been free and not had freedom of speech. And that is one of the things that this particular ideology goes really hard after, which is why indoctrination works so well, because they're telling students, this is the way it is, this is what to believe, and that this is the right answer. And you don't question it, and you're not allowed to write anything else. And if you do, you're going to get a bad grade aside from the fact that there's more and more focus on teaching kids to be activists than there is teaching them how to read or how to do mathematics or learn about science, because even science itself is considered a, a white construct. It's, so it's a product of, of white supremacy, being on time, making to-do lists. So anyway, I have an artifact here from Belvedere Elementary School in Virginia. And it's kind of like a poster. It says, where does racism and WSC show up? And I'm 95% sure that WSC is white supremacy culture. So the question is, where does, where does uh, whiteness and racism show up? And here we've got a list of 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. Now, before I read this, ask yourself, because this isn't a public school in Virginia, elementary school, ask yourself if these are the kind of things that you want your student, regardless of their color, to be taught. 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. Perfectionism, sense of urgency, defensiveness. Quantity over quality, worship of the written word, only one right way, paternalism, either or thinking, power hoarding, fear of open conflict, individualism, I'm the only one, progress is bigger, objectivity, the right to comfort. So, you know, objectivity is a white supremacy thing because they don't believe in objectivity. Actually, the only objectivity in the realm of critical theory is what they say is true. That's objectively true. But many of these characteristics, I'm not going to go through them. Obviously, it's, it's pretty offensive to say that these are only, and I don't mean just offensive for white people. I mean for even someone of color, like paternalism. You know, or individualism. That's it. Can, individualism can be bad, but it can also be good. Like there, there's there is a place for individualism. Without, uh, well, I'm not going to go off on it. So, but also these ideas like defense defensiveness or perfectionism. Well, you know, of course perfectionism can also be taken to an extreme. But to say, you know, I I mean, there are a lot of white people who are perfectionists and a lot of people who aren't. Again, this is more of a personality thing, like defensiveness. Uh, It's not a color thing. Some people are just very defensive, but it's not because they're white. But the defensive they're talking about is my defensiveness right now, supposedly, because I don't agree. So if you don't agree with them, you're defensive. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go through all, all of these, but I also have a, this is from a high school. Let's see. It's a, what do they call it? A cage of oppression. Let me try and find it here. This was from a high school and, and I, I got this like a year ago, so I can't really exactly remember. I think it was used in several places cause I've seen it before, um, But this was being used in a high school and and, uh, it's called the fabric of oppression and impacted groups. And it looks like uh, a cage or kind of like a dome like cage, like those jungle gym things you used to have on the playground where it's like a dome of a bunch of bars. And basically it's it's kind of like a matrix of oppression in a sense, real identity, politics, uh, intersectionality kind of thing. So in this cage you have on the bottom, you have women, people of color, everyone else, people with physical disabilities, people who are perceived as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or transsexual, people of all other religions. So those are the people who are on the bottom, and they are they're the ones who are oppressed. And you know, and this comes in where you you, you hear oftentimes Uh, maybe from conservative groups saying, well, critical race theory is this Marxist ideology. And it does have many Marxist ideas like this idea of oppressor versus oppressed conflict theory that comes from Marx that was actually developed by Hegel. It's, it's just embedded into, into critical race theory. So, um, and intersectionality. So here, those are the ones at the bottom. And so, What it's dealing with is these categories. So I'll say it like this. The category of gender, men are on top, women are on the bottom. The category of race, whites are on top, the people of color on the bottom. So the whites are the oppressors, people of color are the oppressed. Men are the oppressors, women are the oppressed. Uh, For socioeconomic class, uh, uh, the owning class is the oppressor and everyone else is the oppressed. So you know, in in the United States of America, one of the best ways to establish yourself in the middle class is to actually own your own home, and uh, that that's a that's not the only way, but that's a that's a huge defining moment for a lot of people, and it's not like a class thing so much as it is a financial stability thing, and so now you're creating this this resentment, you know that that actually uh, Marx wanted to in gender in uh, in the West, but they discovered how difficult it was because when you have a, a large, robust middle class and you have a society where people have opportunity, even if they're not in the middle class, and they say, well, you know, if I really work hard, I could actually, I could actually have those things too. Why would I rebel against it? Why would I try to tear it all down? And so it worked better in societies that weren't as well-developed or didn't have capitalism operating where you could get, you know like in in the Ukraine or in in Russia, you could get people to really resent someone who did own their farm or own own their land or own their cow or whatever it might have been so there's that idea here you know everyone else is oppressed by the owning class so those people who own their own homes they didn't work hard they're you know the, they they are the oppressors um so abilities, this is another one. People with physical disabilities are oppressed and people with able bodies are the oppressor. Okay, sexual orientation. Uh, people who are perceived as gay, lesbian, tr- bisexual, transsexual, transgender, they're the ones who are oppressed. People who are perceived as heterosexual are the oppressor. And religion, Christians are the oppressors, and people of all other religions are the oppressed. So when you put it all together, what you have at the top of the cage, the real winner, um, this is basically the theory of intersectionality, is when you put it, all those all those categories together, you have the most oppress, uh, oppressed at the bottom. So you might not just be a woman, you could be a woman who's oppressed by men, but you're also white. So you still are, you know, in that, in that sense, you're an oppressor, but in another sense, you're oppressed. But if you have all of these categories going for you, you're a man, you're white, you you're in the owning class, you are able bodied, meaning you, you know, you're very healthy. Um, and you're someone who is perceived as heterosexual and you're a christian if you have those six things going for you you are at the top you are at the top in you know and in your world you're awesome but the reality is you are the top oppressor okay and so if you're at the bottom if you're all of these things not just a woman but a woman of color and not just a woman of color a woman of color who doesn't own particularly a home owning class and you're a woman of color who doesn't own a home and you have a physical disability. Um, and on top of that, if, if you're not just those four things, but you also are someone who falls into the, the sexual orientation of some, at least being perceived as gay, bisexual, transsexual, transgender, whatever, then that's even more oppressed. And then, if, if you're all of those and you're a people, you're a person of any other religion than Christianity, you are the most oppressed of all. And in the world of, um, of intersectionality, and critical race theory the most oppressed people actually have the most authority because they have the most authentic voice they have the most oppressed experience and so they have an epistemic knowledge that other people simply just don't have and therefore they should be the ones who are given voice and speak and uh, you know i'm not going to comment on all of that other than it's just aside from the fact that it's just a false dichotomy especially it It really is a false understanding of the way that this nation operates but you know those are the kind of things that are being taught in schools and and it's not just one random school here and there friends this is happening all throughout the united states it's happening in so many schools and parents need to know parents need to be asking and paying attention to what their children are being taught and if you are someone who you know you don't have children in the public school system anymore maybe you're an empty nester or maybe you're a, a parent who homeschools or you have your child in private school you're still a tax paying citizen in that area. And so you still have a voice at that school board meeting, or, you know, when you hear things don't feel like, well, I don't, I don't have a voice because I don't, well, you still pay taxes. If whether you, whether you have uh, a child in the schools or not, if you live in a particular uh, city, you're paying taxes for those schools. And so you do have a voice, and it's really important for us to know what's going on and to know when this comes to our town, and just pray that it doesn't. Um, but be aware and and realize that this has gone mainstream. So if if you can, you know, when when I was growing up, I we didn't travel around often, but even like you know, I was a kid in the, in the eighties. Most of my childhood was the eighties, and you know, if you were to have traveled up to idaho or you know to the northwest or traveled up to nebraska or you know colorado or something you would have seen different clothing styles um among kids it 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 wasn't as much like today where it doesn't matter what podunk town it is it doesn't matter which side of the country you're on the fads the clothing fads the the fad for the latest you know musical group or the latest entertainment whatever everybody knows because of technology it's just instantaneous and so that it's like a small everything's been made smaller and there's not as much diversity in that sense of you know uh, young people typically all embrace the same thing right and they all want to be cool and so now it's almost instantaneous and there's not much variation throughout the country the same thing is happening with critical race theory it's it is so popular it's like a wildfire but it's like a virus wildfire like way worse than covid virus kind of thing and it it has made our country very small in the sense that you can go from the West Coast in Loudoun County all the way to the, I mean, I'm sorry, the East Coast and Loudoun County uh, in Virginia and go all the way to the West Coast, whether it's in Portland or Seattle or go down to San Diego, just north of the, the Mexican border and still find the same things in Texas and in Oklahoma and find the same kind of things filtering in because it's not just being you know, it's not just in the ivory tower anymore. This stuff is infiltrating at every level in every institution. And who are the people that are the teachers? They're hear- hearing it on CNN. They're hearing it from Netflix. They're hearing it everywhere. And then uh, reading these these gurus' books because they want to do the work. They want to read Ibram Kendi's book and D'Angelo's book. And and so this is an explosion. It's a, a cultural explosion. But it's not the kind of cultural. Uh, revolution we want as a matter of fact revolutions are usually bloody they're not they're not really a great thing so i'm just gonna leave you with that i just kind of went off and shared my thoughts but i hope to see you guys next time